Hello and welcome to a Smashing Theory, the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Prediction Podcast. It's a me, Daniel. It's a me, Luigi. <laughs> ah, Princess Daisy. <laughs> Come to my cabana. I'm, I'm glad to, to have I you. I give the... you a sandwich. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Uh... I didn't think that giving people sandwiches was your thing, Luigi. Yeah, it was a thing in, you know, in Mario Party 12. <laughs> I, I give the sandwich. Oh. Anyway, how you, how you doing, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> Where'd Luigi go? Uh, he had to leave. He had an important engagement, giving a sandwich to Daisy. Uh, I'm Daniel. I'm Sean. I'm, and... I'm not really Luigi, guys. <laughs> I know, I had you go in there. I I was just joshing. Welcome to a Smashing Theory. This is a podcast where we make predictions about uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the next Smash Bros. game. As always, we like to start off with some corrections with the last episode. Well, you know, we don't like to. Well, it, it would be a great day if we didn't have to correct ourselves. <laughs> However, we have several corrections for you today. Uh, the first being, um, last episode was... The episode where he reacted to all the stuff that happened at Evo in the Smash Direct. Right. So Krom was announced as an Echo Fighter of Roy. Mm-hmm. Since we recorded the evening that this happened, we sort of mentioned uh, that we like kind of heard that Krom was kind of a loose Echo Fighter, but now we have more details. Right. Ike is Krom is basically a mashup character. He's most he's largely got Roy's move set. Uh, but unlike Roy, he doesn't have a sweet spot on his sword. Right. You know how, like, when Roy attacks, you, you've got to hit the foe with, like, an exact part of your sword to do the most damage. And if you're slightly off of that, it does less damage than usual. Uh, Which is, you know, it's a fun game mechanic. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, Marth has that. I was uh, I was kidding, but okay. <laughs> I would hate having to manage that. That's why I don't play those characters. Oh, I see. I I feel like... For people that can get it right, it's very satisfying. Sure, that makes sense. But like Lucina, his daughter, uh, Krom does not have a sweet spot on his sword. Cool. Uh, so yeah, he can just do consistent damage with it. He also does not have Roy's up B, but he has kind of a modified version of Ike's up B where he rises up with his sword. He doesn't toss it up like Ike does, but he right. kind of uses his sword to propel him upward. It's... It's also like, you know, he has, he does the whole ether thing. And then he has a brand new Final Smash that doesn't have, that has a different, like, starting animation and a different cinematic than any of the other Fire Emblem characters. So, cool. So, yeah. I I really dig the idea that they're kind of, they've made this, like, Frankenstein Fire Emblem character by, like, taking a little thing here, taking a little thing there. Yeah, yeah. But it's also kind of funny that, like, there are so many Fire Emblem characters in the game that they can do that, you know? Like, okay, there's so many sword users, let's just take this sword user and that sword user, you could jump, and then he he doesn't have the thing. Like, you know, Uh like, all right, uh guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's very interesting because... The distinction between what an Echo Fighter is and what it isn't just feels arbitrary, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, it's like, if they're even a pseudo-clone of a character and they were introduced after Smash 4, they're an Echo Fighter. <laughs> but, like, young, it feels like Young Link should be an Echo Fighter of Link. It feels... Right. Or, or Toon Link, at least. Sure. 
since they've been around longer, it feels like, ah, oh, they're just their own fighters, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I've yet to figure out what the exact science is for what qualifies an Echo Fighter. Like, how different do you need to be before you're not an Echo Fighter? But that, that's an interesting question, and I don't think we can resolve it with the information we have. Yeah, exactly. I, I just get the vibe that there isn't really an answer. It's just up to Sakurai's whims. Sure. Uh, Sakurai's whims. That's got to be the name of his autobiography. Because <laughs> that's been his whole life. He just talks in the third person for the whole thing. <laughs> Sakurai was born as a baby, and then Sakurai grew up and made Kirby. And then everyone was so <laughs> impressed that they let him make Smash games for 15 or 20 years. The end. Uh, almost 20 years, yeah. Nothing else happened. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have another correction, and that is... <laughs> Uh, when I was going over announcements for Season 2 of Tekken 7, I mentioned uh, that one of the new characters announced was Lee Chowlon, and that he was a character whose moveset was based off of Bruce Lee's fighting style. I got I got some stuff wrong here. <laughs> I, I, I fucked up some details. The first is that the character's name is not Lee Chowlon, it's Lei Wulong. Uh... Now, I did not m just make up the name Lee Chowlon. Lee Chowlon is a Tekken character, but he's already in Tekken 7. <laughs> uh, Lei Wulong also is not based off of Bruce Lee. He's based off of Jackie Chan. There is a Tekken character based off of Bruce Lee. His name is Martial Law, and he's already in the game. That's the wildest correction you've <laughs> ever had to do. Yeah. <laughs> Also, Lee Chowlon has nothing to do with either Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan. Uh, he's just like a flamboyant, like mysterious, sexy man. Sometimes he goes by the name Violet. I feel as though we need like a corkboard and string to like figure out <laughs> what happened there. Like, crack it like it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, Lee, Lee Wolong, Lee Chowlan, are they the same? No, not. See. Anyway, sorry about that, guys. Yes. Uh, As you can p quite possibly tell, neither of us are super invested in the <laughs> characters or lore of Tekken. Like, I, I try to be aware of Tekken lore, but I think there's, you know, there's a lot of characters with either similar names or similar gimmicks that right. uh, that I might get a couple mixed up here and there. Sure, I think that's fair. Yeah. Lei Wulong, in any case, is really cool, and I liked his trailer. Me too. But anyway, uh, now we can talk news for the past couple weeks. Ooh. So we have kind of a uh, a now standard weekly Smash music segment where we talk about uh, the music that goes up on the Smash Bros. website every Tuesday night. And as they say, when that Smash music goes up, you got to get down. <laughs> we've had some bangers. Oh, man. This might be one of the best batches yet, actually. Yeah. I was really surprised. Um, I think that one of them, and we can talk about it when we talk about it, has yeah. actually eclipsed Bomb Rush Blush as my favorite song. I think I know what you're going to talk about, and that is Gangplank Galleon. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real good. Yeah, it's a remix of K. Rule's theme uh, by Ace, the guys that do the battle music for Xenoblade 1 and 2. And boy, did they battle this track into some good shape. <laughs> they... Their Xenoblade tracks are some of the best video game music of all time already. Right. 
And God, their rearrangement of Gangplank Galleon has actually been stuck in my head for the past two weeks <laughs> because it's so good. It's like it, they, they really managed to capture, first of all, just the essence of like Donkey Kong music. Yes. Like it sounds like Dave Wise wrote this on crack cocaine <laughs> in the best possible way. Right. Uh, so I, I really appreciated how faithful they were to the source material while also giving it that kind of trademark ace aggressiveness. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. Nah, it's got, it bangs, it bangs so hard. However, the next track is no slouch. And that's Gear Up For, dot, 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 by Hiroki Morishita. I really like this one, too. Yeah, so Gear Up For is basically, it's a theme that plays in a couple Fire Emblem games. This one is apparently specifically from Fire Emblem Heroes, and it's the track that kind of plays while you're on the main menu, and, right. you know, your characters are sort of in that hub. Which I'm very familiar with, because you spend a lot of time in the main menu in that game, uh spending orbs to try to get characters and yeah. reconfiguring your party and things like that. Yeah. Hiroki Morishita is actually the person who composed that theme in the first place. <laughs> He's the guy that's been doing soundtracks for the modern Fire Emblem games. He did the soundtrack for Awakening. He did the soundtrack for Fire Emblem Fates. And he did the soundtrack for Fire Emblem Heroes. So he's just kind of rearranging his own track here. Not the first time that's happened mm -hmm. in Smash Bros. Yokoshimura uh, got to do that. Yeah, Yoko Shimomura got to do that already for Ultimate. Motoi Sakuraba did that for a Golden Sun track right. in Smash 4. Yeah, not not unprecedented at all. And this track, this version of the track, is really great. It kind of like starts out with the same mellow <laughs> mellowness that that menu track used to have, but then it just kind of gets like more and like the tempo just increases mm -hmm. over time, and then they start adding instruments, and then uh. It gets like it turns into a battle theme, and I love it. It's great. It's, it's really cool. It's very like like as the song is kind of speeding up, you're kind of going like, oh, what's what's going on here? <laughs> and then they add like a four to the floor drum break. Yeah, uh, yes. And you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting intense. It's cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. A lot of the time, that tends to be our only news, but a couple other Smash things happened this past couple weeks. Uh, first. Or I guess second. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, here's in, a in some order. Yeah, here's a thing that happened. <laughs> Gamescom is this week. Sort of, It's sort of the European version of E3. You know, over in Europe, they a bunch of game companies make announcements and stuff. They show off new games. Right. They show off games in progress. Uh, Nintendo didn't have too much Gamescom presence, but one thing they did do was they uploaded gameplay videos for for some of the characters that got announced during the last Smash Direct, uh, specifically K. Rule, uh, Krom, and Dark Samus. Right. Uh, K. Rule got a one-on-one -on -one video where he was fighting against Snake, and man, uh, that was a cool video. Like, uh, the two people playing were clearly, like, pros. Yes. And there were actually, like, some cool setups and, like, uh, legitimate strategies used in this in this fight. I was very impressed with how K. Rule plays. Oh yeah, uh, much more tactical than I would have imagined. Yeah, you really got to see his kit, and like, uh, there's just this awesome bit where he like takes out like his musket and he shoots like he shoots a cannonball like diagonally upwards, right? And like Snake dodges it, and then K. Rule just jumps up and smacks snake into the <laughs> cannonball that's now like flying behind him and that k and that's what ko's snake 
really awesome. Yeah. K Roll seems great. The cannonballs in particular, like, first of all, I love what an homage that is to Donkey Kong Country 2 because right. there's this, like, really hard hidden boss where he's just firing his cannonballs at you constantly. <laughs> um, and then also, as a guy who really appreciates kind of trickier zoning characters where you mm-hmm. have to set things up and kind of make an opponent walk into a trap that you've made. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into the lab with King K. Rule and seeing what neat things I can do with that attack. You must also love this because he uh, he's another archetype you like, which is a heavyweight character. Yeah, he's like a brawler zoner. I'm completely <laughs> down for this whole situation. Yeah, uh, no. And, and if K. Rule doesn't end up being your thing, I will be there to try him out instead. We can also both play the same character. At I, the same hate time. I, so no, I hate mirror matches so much. I hate mirror matches so much, and you are going to be the person that I do one-on-one <laughs> matches with the most. You okay? There? I guess that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, finally, uh, Sakurai. An interview with Sakurai actually came out. He said a few things, but one thing he said of note is he actually talked about the new Final Smash meter system right um feature sean and i said in the last podcast that we really hoped that final smash meter would be something that was considered for competitive play right sakura actually said in the interview that uh when he was talking about the fact that he added the final smash meter that he considered the feature better suited to casual party play (laughs) than competitive and thereby dashed our hopes and the hopes of everyone who saw that (laughs) Um, I still, you know, I still want to see how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's just wrong. Yeah, maybe. Like, I wonder if he considers the smash ball method to be more competitive somehow. Right. Even though, like, you know, the competitive smash community hates the randomness of that <laughs> element. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if the competitive community picks something up like that anyway. And I hope they, I hope they take a look at it and, and think about it. Me too. If, if it doesn't end up being a thing like the meter charges so fast and Final Smashes come out like every 40 seconds or whatever, right. then it's like, okay, I guess maybe that does kind of change the game a little too much. Yeah, yeah, that's um, But basically, I hope Sakurai's wrong. Me too. Uh, he, he never... He, he rarely builds parts of the game that are uh, intended exclusively for competitive play anyway. Right. Maybe this will be like wave dashing and the community just really <laughs> likes it. One can hope. Except more fun than wave dashing. Yes, and easier to do. Yes. But yeah, that's the news. So here on a Smashing Theory, we like to make predictions about what's going to be in the next Super Smash Bros. game. We do. Smash Bros. Ultimate. Sometimes we tackle uh, these predictions franchise by franchise. Sometimes we go company by company or talk about third party stuff. Sometimes we talk about events and sometimes we predict based on themes or concepts yes and i guess this episode is kind of closer to the latter our episode this week is underdog franchises nintendo franchises that have been around for a while since Mm -hmm. uh since fairly recently we did our new franchises episode where we talked about stuff that debuted uh, around or after Smash 4, sure. like like ARMS and Splatoon. Uh, this time we're talking about franchises that that have, have been around like since before 4 came out, but still managed to not have any representation. Franchises that are notable, but still ignored somehow. If, uh, if these franchises were a dog, you could say that they would be under. 
Because they're underdog franchises. That's what this episode is about. Clearly, this is why I, I have you on as, as co-host. Yeah. Because you're just a, a, a master wordsmith. I've been doing this for a while, and I'm picking up how things work. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, we, we got we got some underdog franchises for you. We got some stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. The big one, I think, that is on a lot of people's mind is Rhythm Heaven. Which is such a great little franchise. Oh, it's excellent. It's like, even if you don't have the means or, you know, just the coordination or whatever to play Rhythm Heaven, because it is a rhythm game. Although I think it's, you know, it's designed to be accessible. Right? Oh, yeah. The rhythm Heaven franchise. Yeah. Um, but if for whatever reason you can't or don't want to play it, at least check out some Rhythm Heaven stuff on YouTube because it's really great. No, it's, it's fantastic. Just, it's like if if WarioWare and Dance Dance Revolution kind of fused together into one game. Which makes sense because it's the same design team as WarioWare. Yes. Yeah, I I love it. It's I think Rhythm Heaven is definitely like an underrated franchise. And I think a lot of people, even those that don't really know about or play Rhythm Heaven, are kind of looking at Rhythm Heaven in regards to Smash uh, because of a a rumor that has kind of stuck around for a really long time. Mm. Um, when Smash 4 uh, was in development, when we were going through like the the announcements phase of Smash 4's development, someone leaked several character announcements before the game's reveal at E3. Right. Right? Basically, an anonymous source said that Villager, uh, Wii Fit Trainer, and Mega Man were going to be in the next Smash Bros. game. And then they were all announced during E3. Which is impressive. Yeah, which was impressive. Um, <laughs> one, uh, one of the reasons this podcast exists is because I got second place in a Smash Bros. 4 prediction contest. Right. And in that contest... Zero percent of the two hundred ish participants <laughs> guessed that we fit trainer would be in the game. Right. And very few guessed that villager, because we're all sort of we we were all sort of assuming that Sakurai's claim that Animal Crossing players wouldn't be playable as of Brawl mm-hmm. would kind of carry over to four. Right. And it didn't. So there was that leak, and then and then that leaker went on to say, here's the other new characters that are gonna be in the game. Palutena from Kid Icarus is going to be a playable character. Shulk from Xenoblade. Uh, a Pokemon from X and Y, um, which ended up being Greninja. Mm-hmm. And those all ended up being true, and those are also, like, you know, kind of not characters that people were guessing, you true. know? Uh, they also mentioned that the Miis would be a thing, mm-hmm. which they were. Right. But they did say a couple that ended up never happening. Mm-hmm. The first was Crom from Fire Emblem Awakening. Right. And the other was the Chorus Kids from Rhythm Heaven. Right. So some people were like, oh, well, these are just a series of incredibly good guesses, <laughs> which I don't think is the case. Right. Especially since later we got an interview with Sakurai where Sakurai said, oh, yeah, well, when I was adding Fire Emblem characters, uh, we almost added Crom, but then I decided to add Lucina instead. Right. You know? So I think the chorus kids, uh, these characters from Rhythm Heaven, the chorus kids presumably being these three little uh, white, like completely like, you know, like pastel white. Right. So uh, sort of like line drawings of little gremlin children. Yeah. Just like these short little men in like little suits uh, with like these dopey little like faces. Right. <laughs> 
uh, with her teeth sort of like poking out and mm-hmm. that almost, I don't know, it's like, it's like a rabbit and a stick man gave birth. But in kind of a better way than what you're thinking of in that <laughs> description. Well, you know, like when, when they sing, they're like, like right. they're basically uh, rabbit babies um, without the ears. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, now that um, I've gotten my perfect description of the chorus kids out of the way, right, yeah. uh, they never showed up. But the speculation, which I agree with, was that the chorus kids were in development for Smash 4. But the 3DS couldn't handle them. Right. So they ended up not being in the full game. So, you know, the the immediate thought, I think, is, well, if Sakurai has this character design and he sort of already has the gameplay for them figured out, mm-hmm. will they be in Smash Bros. Ultimate? What do you think about that? Man, <laughs> I am incredibly unsure okay because uh first of all we we've had evidence of character ideas before right that sort of never ever panned out Mm -hmm. right like uh there's code and brawl that sort of suggests that plus one minun these ruby and sapphire pikachus right right uh were considered to be in the game as a tag team at some point and that never happened there were a couple of other names in the code that suggested characters that we never got mm-hmm. characters that we didn't even get after four came out and we haven't gotten so far in ultimate. So just because a character idea got scrapped doesn't mean that, that they'll come back later. Mm-hmm. I also think that rhythm heaven was a bit more hot. It was a bit more relevant uh, during smash fours re- development sure. compared to compared to now at the same time. I think it is kind of a loved franchise Especially like internally at Nintendo, right? Know? I think, uh, I think Rhythm Heaven is the kind of franchise that Sakurai would be pretty fond of. I bet he'd like how quirky and weird it is. That makes sense. And, and I'm sure he had a really creative moveset for those chorus kids, or whatever he ends up doing for the Rhythm Heaven character. Right. Yeah, something makes it hard for me to, to say that that's definitely going to happen. You know? I get, I get you there. Yeah, I do wonder if that. If that's just left behind, never to never really get addressed sure. publicly, you know. I'm uh yeah, I'm 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 kind of leaning that way. Although I think a lot of it is definitely just kind of a personal bias against the chorus kids. <laughs> like they're I mean, they're fine, but they're not the first character I think of when I think of potential rhythm heaven fighting game characters by a long shot. Right, yeah. And uh one thing I actually wonder is if they might get reimagined somehow. Okay. Like instead of the chorus kids, maybe um Rhythm Heaven Fever has sort of this trio of characters mm-hmm. that sort of persist throughout the game. Mm-hmm. That sort of you see them at the beginning and you see them throughout named Marshall, Miss Ribbon, and Cam. Sure. Uh, Marshall actually looking kind of like one of the chorus kids. He's like, you know, a little, like, just a, a little tiny, uh, like, all white, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, a little gremlin boy with, like, rosy cheeks. <laughs> Miss Ribbon is kind of like that, too, but pink and with a bow on her head. Okay. And Cam is sort of a taller blue version of that with sort of an oval forehead and glasses. Okay, I remember Cam. Yeah. Like, if 
if the gimmick of Chorus Kids is being a trio of characters, mm-hmm. then those three, Marshall, Miss Ribbon, and Cam, could do that instead, but have more personality and more variety, and also maybe like their their different attributes and heights can sort of be a game mechanic somehow. I like that. Yeah, that's that's something I was thinking about. Like maybe maybe he takes the concept of the chorus kids and turns them into something else sure. that's a bit more palatable. Because I feel like that's happened before. I feel like he's he's taken an initial idea and like changed it. Ah, uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah, a couple of other Rhythm Heaven characters. I think we could see if they decide to make a Rhythm Heaven character playable. Mm-hmm. Is first of all Karate Joe. Yes, right. Sort of, uh, sort of a karate man who who hits pots to a rhythm Mm -hmm. and he's in every rhythm heaven game maybe not the most visually distinct you know rhythm heaven character but uh he'd be easier to make a fighting game uh move set for him but but a creative and fun one though yeah yeah i think that you could uh like i don't think that karate man has to be centered entirely around like hitting pots you could throw in like references to other rhythm heaven characters yeah you know like i think there's cool stuff you could do with them yeah i think i'd mainly like love a rhythm heaven character that sort of just like summons a bunch of references to rhythm yeah. heaven <laughs> yeah you know like like the like the fucking wrestler that does the interview <laughs> just like jumps in from the side <laughs> that's who i was actually thinking of when i was thinking of like potential rhythm heaven characters you know like his upbeat would be pose for the fans <laughs> <laughs> that that would be great I don't know. I f- I feel like like we might be in that mindset because like Smash is a fighting game and a wrestler would be in a fighting game. You know, like I I wonder if I wonder if Sakurai would even want to shy away from that. Hmm, okay. Um, like it's like oh, if I if I ever put a wrestler in Smash Bros, do I really want to waste that archetype on the Rhythm Heaven <laughs> wrestler who would be nothing like an actual wrestler? Got the answer for you, Sakurai. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the last potential character is Tibby, who is the sort of the protagonist of Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix for the 3DS. Tibby is sort of like a a little pink dog boy Hmm. with an afro, and and he would kind of work as sort of a summon character Mm -hmm. because, like, he doesn't really have any abilities of his own in Rhythm Heaven. Uh, The story is kind of like... You, the player, helping him get back to his home okay. called Heaven World, you know, going through all these Rhythm Heaven things to help him to get him to do it. So Tibby could sort of just incorporate a bunch of Rhythm Heaven nonsense into his moveset somehow. I like that. I have to say, when you first said Tibby, because I'm kind of a late comer to this franchise, I didn't play any Rhythm Heaven games until Rhythm Heaven Fever for the Wii. Right. Uh, the first place my mind went was like, there's a mini game in that game where you are a cat in an airplane playing <laughs> ping pong with a dog who is also in an airplane. Bow, 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 right. bow. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> uh, that, I thought you were talking about the ping pong plane cat at first, <laughs> which I'd also be okay with. I would love that. Uh, that's one of the, like, I think the best Rhythm Heaven mini games to date. It's fantastic. That, yeah, the plane ping pong thing. Yeah, so I guess the question is... Uh, are any of these ideas good enough to be movesets? Hmm. And if so, which one is most likely to be in the game? Sure. And that's really hard, and I can't figure that out. That is really hard. Yeah. I'm... Right now, my feeling is that I'm erring on the side of no Rhythm Heaven characters. 
as much as that breaks my heart, I just have a feeling. I wonder, I don't, I don't think there's any particular Rhythm Heaven character that would be a great Smash character. Yeah. Uh, like, I'd be a little let down if it were the Chorus Kids, even if they were done really well. Right. Like, there'd be just something there that's like, well, well why'd it have to be them? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm kind of feeling you there. Like, I wonder if... The opportunity for a Rhythm Heaven character to be in the game kind of passed. Right. You know, like, a, enough time passed that Nintendo kind of realized, oh, well, this isn't really a worldwide franchise. Mm-hmm. And they sort of shelved the idea. Especially since I don't think Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix did too hot over here. That's a shame. I guess that, uh, just like that cat in the plane with the ping pong rack, we're just going to have to fly away from that franchise. bum <laughs> <laughs> bum bum Anyway, (laughs) Uh, if you're at home listening and you'd like to know what the fuck Sean is talking about when he's making those noises, uh, look up Air Rally from Rhythm Heaven Fever. In fact, pause the podcast, look it up right now, and then unpause it. Ready? Go. Okay, are you back? (laughs) Now you understand that reference. Aren't you glad you paused and did what I said? I know I am. <laughs> anyway, one thing that I think would be great, though, is the Rhythm Heaven stage. Mm-hmm. Just a stage that incorporates all these elements of Rhythm Heaven and maybe even, like, cycles through some of the mini games that you sort of have to, like, play around and through. It'd be fun if it was just a version of, like, the final challenge from Rhythm Heaven Fever where you go through all the mini games in the game. Right, yeah, like, if if there was just a Remix 10 stage. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I'm even less sure of that now because <laughs> uh, the stage select screen in the latest Master Act leads me to believe that we're going to get five or six more stages in the game mm-hmm. before DLC and stuff. Sure. I get the vibe that stages are being reserved for things that are a big deal or new playable characters, okay. basically. You know, like like if we get a new third-party character, that character's getting a stage. Mm-hmm. And... I think of a new playable character as making their franchise debut, I think they're getting a new stage also, right? For example, King K. Rool did not get his own stage, but Simon Belmont did. Right. Um, and so it'd be kind of odd for them to go, hey, this is not a new character, but here's a new stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially because like the the amount of new stages we're going to get is obviously going to be limited, and... I think it's largely going to be in pairs from this point forward. Sure. We've seen that if a game is a big enough of a deal that it'll get a new stage without necessarily uh, needing to be part of a new franchise like New Donk City or or the Great Plateau Tower. Sure. Uh, but I think mostly it's going to be stuff like what we got with Simon Belmont and what we got with uh, with the Inkling. The Splatoon got a new stage because a new franchise character debuted alongside it. Right. So I feel like we won't get a Rhythm Heaven stage either unless we're getting a Rhythm Heaven character. Okay. And if we are, we're getting both. Right. But are we? <laughs> uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I guess I guess for now I'm just going to say no. We're, we're not getting Chorus Kids. And actually, I'll say that if we do get a Rhythm Heaven character, that we're more likely to get Marshall, Miss Ribbon, and Cam than we are the Chorus Kids. Okay. That's how I feel right now. Cool. I, uh, I like that theory. Uh, however, it's a smashing theory. Ooh! How, <laughs> however, I don't... I feel like we're not getting either, and that makes me sad. 
I hope very much that I'm wrong because the amount of remixes they could do for Smash Bros is of the Rhythm Heaven soundtrack enormous. It's absurd. Yeah. It's wonderful. I really want it to happen. But let's talk about our next underdog franchise and one that uh, could not be any dearer to my heart. It's so dear to his heart that the mascot of this franchise is hugging his heart right now. <laughs> Full body hug. No effect on his physical health. Well, it's because I'm so used to it at this point. Exactly. Chibi Robo. He loves this game. Is probably uh, the most underrated GameCube game out there. It's incredible. It's got so much charm. It's got... It's just got things that have never been in any video game before and have not been in any other video game to date. That it, is true. It just has like an energy to it. It has world building and 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 like character dynamics that I've just never seen anywhere else. They're they're amazing. I I love Chibi Robo so much and I'm so glad that so, uh we actually got like a bunch when I said underdog franchises a bunch of our readers, a bunch of our listeners just like came in and said, Chibi Robo. It's got like, like you I want to talk about Chibi Robo. You must be very proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> Actually, I'm so proud that I feel like I've got to read at least a couple. Andy M sent in an email and said, Chibi Robo is a great candidate for Smash. Hi there. I love this podcast and would love to get your thoughts on my most wanted newcomer. Drumroll, please. Chibi Robo. <laughs> Chibi Robo is an adorable character from the Chibi Robo franchise. I have such fond memories of playing the original for the GameCube and think he has plenty to offer in Smash. In the games, he can only move so many steps before me- needing to plug in and charge. I think this mechanic could be really neat in Smash. They could even make charging a shield and B move like Inkling. Ah, that's cool. Maybe when Chibi Robo runs out of energy, he become slow and weak like the Pokemon stamina mechanic in Brawl. Outside of the gimmick, Chibi Robo has so much material to pull from with his trusty toothbrush, zip lash, and telly TV. Despite this, I don't see Chibi Robo making it in as playable. (laughs) (laughs) Poor son of a gun. I just want to see Chibi Robo represented in some form in Ultimate. What are your thoughts? And I feel, Andy, to my core, I'm going to tell him what we think in a second, Lord Pickmar uh, also sends us an email. Chibi Robo, this classic gem of a first-party series, was released by Nintendo in the GameCube era and was oozing with style, charm, and personality. Chibi Robo has yet to get any representation in Smash as a character or stage up to this point, which is quite a shame. He could fight with his toothbrush, arm cannon, and so much more. His alternate skins could be the various suits and outfits he wears in the game. And his game overall was a very well-made experience. Bring Chibi Robo back into the spotlight, Sakurai. He needs the love his series deserves. (laughs) Hope this was enough for you guys to talk about. Uh, Sweaty, smiley face. So... (laughs) You know, the smiley face with like the sweat drop. I know what you mean. I just don't think that anyone who regularly uses that emoticon would describe it in that way. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, Chibi Robo, Chibi help. Anyway, thanks, Andy. Yes. Thanks, Lord Pickmar, uh, and thanks to everyone that said Chibi Robo stuff because it just makes my heart grow 10 sizes every time i see a chibi robo suggestion because it definitely is just really one of my favorite franchises ever and i think chibi robo deserves some kind of smash representation i agree uh he would be a great character like 
he has tons of moveset potential. And one thing we like to talk about on the podcast is uh, three elements sort of making a character. You work so hard every time <laughs> not to refer to it as the RPM triangle. Uh, these three <laughs> things are uh, relevance. This this trio, but not triangle, of three things that are not RPM. <laughs> have, have, have you seen... Uh, actually, it's at Gamescom uh, this this week. Today, they announced like a Gabe Newell voice pack for Dota Two. I did see that. Uh, oh yeah, I saw the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in and in the video, like they try to get him to say triple kill, and he keeps refusing to say the word three. He's like, "You have killed more than two people, but less than four. <laughs> really That's good. Yeah, really funny. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that video, even though I don't care about Dota 2 at all. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, relevance, popularity, and moveset potential mm-hmm. uh, the, tend, the triangle. tend to be things <laughs> that are a deal for for Smash characters. You can never criticize me for my Heihachi hate again. <laughs> it's oh, over I'm now. oh, I'm gonna. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, I think Chibiro has the moveset potential in spades. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Like, he's got, like, his cord tail thing that he can use in various moves. He can use television as his up B. He has, like, a little, like, he has a little television as a sidekick that has a little <laughs> propeller. Right, and, that's cute. And whenever, like, Chibiro, like, dies, like, tel- television, like, carries him around. So, like, that can be his up B, basically. And maybe he can even use television, like, as a projectile or sure. something. He's got his toothbrush. And maybe like he he's buffed somehow when he's cleaned a lot. Uh huh. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Great moveset potential. However, relevance and popularity are far uh, less in his favor. Yeah. Chibi Robo has been just getting a bunch of really bizarre spinoff games that are not as good as his first game. I don't know why they won't just go back to the original formula of his first game that was, like, pretty much perfect to me. It's the Paper Mario problem. Yeah. Oh, God, it's the Paper Mario problem. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, unless you're Nintendo. Then try to fix it, even <laughs> though it ain't broke, until you run the franchise into the ground and no one cares about it anymore. Yeah, Chibi Robo's most recent game was Chibi Robo Ziplash, a side-scrolling platformer that has none of the elements that people want in a Chibi Robo game. <laughs> uh and it breaks my heart to little pieces. I did buy the game anyway because I want to give Nintendo as few excuses to <laughs> discontinue Chibi Robo as possible and it came with a great little amiibo actually. Yeah. You uh, got that's... it right up there on our bookshelf? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's technically a bookshelf because that's what that kind of furniture is called, but it has zero books on it. <laughs> it's all video games and amiibo. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I severely doubt that Chibi Robo is going to get that playable representation. If he does, I'm meaning him. Well, of course. <laughs> like, even if he plays nothing like how I usually play, <laughs> like, characters in Smash. You get, you like, boot up the game, you're really excited about Chibi Robo, and then he is a um, shadow clone. Shadow, what are they called again? Echo Fighter. Echo He's he's just an echo fighter of like Marth. He <laughs> uses the toothbrush like a sword. <laughs> Cuz Marth needs more echo fighters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> Shadow clone. So 
So here, here on uh, Smashing Theory, we never go completely off the rails. No. And uh, basically, yeah, long story short, Don't See Chippy Robo is playable. Will go completely out of my way to make him my primary character <laughs> if he is. But mainly, I think he just has everything he needs to be an assist trophy. Mm-hmm. I think as an assist trophy, Chibi Robo could like run around cleaning the surface of the stage, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and it makes the floor more slippery. Uh-huh. Basically, I like that. Yeah, I I think that's something he could do. My immediate thought was like he just goes around and cleans, and by clean I mean he like picks up items and puts them into like, the <gasps> hammer space. He stores oh, them. Oh yeah, he puts them in his head. Uh huh. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Uh, he'd basically just be the the Munchlax Pokeball Pokemon right, in, in right. Brawl, right? Munchlax would go around just eating items. Oh, that's that's good. That's really annoying. <laughs> people like people that don't know the franchise would just hate Chibi Robo because he just steals items. Maybe there could be some kind of system too, where like he collects all the items and then after he's done collecting them, he like throws them to that little girl who dresses like a frog, <laughs> and you get some kind of benefit. Jenny. Jenny. Yes. Oh, man. I mean, this is never happening, so we can make it whatever we want. Right. That's what I would do. Uh, that's awesome. Actually, like, if you're a playable character, he could, like, cleaning would just be, like, one of his B moves. Like, mm-hmm. he'd, he'd put it in his uh, in his head, and that would also buff him. Basically, like, the goal would be to get happy points for Chibi Robo <laughs> by doing different cleaning uh, tasks. That's and cool. uh, that buffs him, and eventually he's just really strong and... And powerful he'd be the junpei of smash mm-hmm. bros i like that I oh like that a lot. oh man it's never gonna happen <laughs> it's never gonna happen <sighs> man i'm not predicting to be robo but like if if i can be completely 100 percent wrong about anything like we already have been during this podcast mm-hmm. like please let it be chibi robo please let me let my pessimism about chibi robo just be completely wrong please he'd be he'd be a great addition to the game yeah he really would also like the house that he cleans in in the first game would be a great stage that's true and like you could just have like the sandersons uh the (laughs) the family that he cleans for in the background oh man that would actually be a great traveling stage even though i generally don't like those oh yeah you could go down to the basement and get attacked by those weird things that are down there the spiders go out into the backyard you know kind of explore the whole house yeah oh oh god oh i'd love it so much yeah if if you're not really familiar with chibi robo the game or the franchise man it's totally worth a look if you have a way to play a gamecube game i would still recommend playing it right like, it's still great in 2018 i really wish that nintendo would just get off their asses and be like we're porting gamecube games to the switch and for some reason, reporting Chibi Robo, even though we refuse to admit that it's a game that could sell copies, <laughs> I'm so upset. Hmm. I'm not bitter at all. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the soundtrack would be so good. Yeah, it would be. Like, <laughs> one of the things in Chibi Robo is that, like, it's like he's cleaning up after a family, but also. There's like a Toy Story thing going on where all the toys in the house come to life when the 
the humans are asleep. Right. And Chibi Robo gets to interact with those toys and do tasks for them as well. And one of the toys is a superhero action figure named Drake Redcrest, <laughs> uh, who is basically like, he's like if a Power Ranger was a chicken. <laughs> uh, he was, if there was like a chicken themed Power Ranger. That's Drake Redcrest. Which is a great conceit. Yeah, and he has a theme song with full vocals that needs to be remixed for Smash. That would be great. There's also a dinosaur made out of Legos named Dinah, and she's like a crabby old lady. <laughs> uh, she's the best character in the game, uh, and her theme is just like really like wacky and upbeat. So Drake Redcrest theme and Dinah's theme especially need to be... I'm, I'm depressing myself. <laughs> I'm... I'm just, I'm just saying all these things that are never gonna happen, and I'm just making myself sad. Well, do you want to move on to the next character? Uh, next franchise. I also don't want to do that because I love Chibiroba <laughs> so much. <sighs> okay. All right. There's there's a couple other there's a couple other uh, franchises that are worth talking about, and actually, we already talked about them both a little bit mm-hmm. during our Assist Trophy franchises episode when we talked about franchises that have only been represented so far as Assist Trophies. Right. The first of those being Golden Sun. Yes. And having Isaac as representation. Now, in that previous episode, I dismissed Isaac as a playable character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just because he's, like, right in between, like, he's just in sort of that nebulous, not relevant enough mm-hmm. uh, to be picked, <laughs> but not, like unknown enough to be a surprise trick however i'm starting to wonder a bit more about that now that we've seen the latest smash direct Hmm. and king k rule has been announced as a playable character Uh and i thought king k rules in that bubble as well okay right like not not quite popular enough to be in but like definitely not like cult enough to uh to get picked either true uh, but the thing is that alongside King K. Rool, Isaac is a very popular Smash Ballot choice, and we've seen a lot of characters get added to Smash Ultimate now that were popular Smash Ballot choices. Crom mm-hmm. was highly requested in the Smash sure. Ballot. King K. Rool was highly requested. Ridley was highly, right. highly requested. Yeah, I, I, I am kind of wondering if maybe. Isaac will be like the retro rep, even though he technically got a game that no one cared about for the DS in 2010. You know, I loved Golden Sun Dark Dawn. <laughs> I played like half of it. Nice, which is good going for me with an RPG. You know, I usually <laughs> don't. I I love that genre, but I hardly ever finish the games. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, that was a cool game. Yeah, plus like you know he'd have a great move set. He he is fairly highly requested. And, you know, he sort of represents, like, a cool part of Nintendo history, right? Like, one of the first, like, original RPGs made mm-hmm. by Nintendo as a publisher. Like, you had some Mario RPGs, but they didn't really do the whole the whole RPG thing uh, with, like, brand new IPs, right? right? Uh, Golden Sun was kind of the first example of that. So, I don't know, like, I'm starting to feel Isaac a bit more, weirdly enough. I think that... Uh... I would love for him to be in the game because yeah. I'm a big fan of the Golden Sun franchise. And I think that if you refer to that three-pointed shape that you hate, <laughs> the, RP- <laughs> the RPM triangle, um, 
he might not necessarily have relevance, but he clearly has popularity among yes. a vocal part of the fan base. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the moveset potential is outrageous. Yes. Like, even just aside from the kind of spells and things that he uses in combat, yeah. Golden Sun is also kind of focused around these puzzles that you solve out of combat where you're using your synergy powers. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, his throw could just be, like, an enormous cartoon hand grabbing you and throwing you. Yeah, yeah. He could, like, roll a log at you or something. Like, there's a lot of really fun kind of just references they could throw in there. Even and so that he isn't just, like, kind of a Fire Emblem-style spellcaster. Yeah. No, I agree completely. And plus, like, he, he could even, like... They're like those little, like those little, like cute, like little oh, creatures jin, called yeah. jins, right? Yeah. You could even use like jins in his move set oh, somehow. That'd be really cool. It'd be neat if, like, somehow mechanically, his goal was to like unleash several jin, and then he could use a summon. You know, uh huh. That's kind of how it works in the game. Is that like you kind of use the jin to power up your attacks? Yeah. And then by doing that, you sort of cue them up, and then you're able to summon these huge kind of bombastic elemental beings oh man that that's absolutely like the kind of play the kind of character that i would play in smash mm-hmm. 2 it's good it's real good yeah you know i didn't really plan on doing this before we recorded mm-hmm. but i think i might be predicting isaac you know I, what if you do i'm i'm jumping in there with you like i feel i feel weirdly good about him being playable there's there's just something about all the elements at play right now that makes him like like a really good fit like he like he fills in a niche that i didn't that kind of needs filling that i didn't expect mm-hmm. you know like if sakurai by making ultimate is kind of like filling in all these gaps of smash history isaac is kind of kind of a gap that nothing else can really fill sure and on top of that he is uh he is still missing after like two big bulky assist trophy reveals, right? Mm, Isaac mm-hmm. has still not been confirmed as an assist trophy. That's true. Um I mean, he wasn't in the assist trophy in 4 either and obviously he never ended up being playable in that. But something Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm predicting Isaac. All right. I'm jumping in the ring with you. So maybe that means that we would even get like a Golden Sun stage that would look really cool. Yes. Uh like a bunch of just remixes of like good good Motoi Sakuraba music. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Sakuraba would even remix some of his own damn tracks again. <laughs> uh Yeah, I Yeah, like I I wonder too like how like the Wii U virtual console sales for Golden Sun did like maybe those went pretty well hmm. like I know that I ended up getting Golden Sun on the Wii U virtual console right Nintendo still has Camelot like around <laughs> so this could be like a cool like testing the waters for like a Golden Sun revival on the Switch oh that'd be so great right get get Camelot making an RPG again yeah and then use the Octopath Traveler engine <laughs> well Nintendo I don't think Nintendo has access to that use it. <laughs> Just like Please. knock on Square Enix's door, like, "Hey, can we get another can we just company?" This? Yeah, <laughs> now that'd be rad. Yeah. Okay. So the, la- I, the last big one was is also been represented by assist trophies and nothing else, and that's Advance Wars. Yes, I love this franchise. Yeah, it's a great franchise, so and cool. and it's been dead for a little while, which is a shame. Kind of abandoned in favor of Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I get yeah i get that too. fire emblem has been a runaway success so i yeah, understand it 
it is kind of funny that they don't give Advanced Wars the opportunity, like, you know, like, they don't give Advanced Wars the last chance that Fire Emblem got. Right. The, the thing where they kind of revive and contemporize a lot of Advanced Wars stuff to see if it can stick. Like, they even went to the extent of trying to make a new IP codename Steam instead of just reviving Advanced <laughs> Wars instead, right? And then codename Steam sucked. Sorry for anyone out there who enjoyed codename Steam. I was not one of those people. <laughs> like, I kind of wonder, actually, if... At one point, Nintendo, like, started working on reviving Advance Wars, right? They got intelligent systems to be like, okay, let's see what you can do with Advance Wars. And then, like, the political climate on planet Earth got so tense that they were like, hey, we don't want to, like, announce a game <laughs> about war, especially a lighthearted one. And then, like, a year later, World War Three starts. <laughs> Right? Could you guys instead make a weird game where one of your party members is a lion and you're steampunk? <laughs> and also make sure that the camera is really bad and there's no minimap. Okay, go. <laughs> wow, I can't believe this game didn't sell well. <laughs> I, I, I sense some slight bitterness from you and I, I don't... I can't tell. That game just had so much potential. <laughs> You actually bought it for me. I and did. Thank it was a... you, by the way. I th I think that was a good call. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, Merry Christmas. I, like I think that was a good call. Um, because I'm someone who kind of enjoys tactics style games and is also willing to look past a lot of bullshit. Yes. When I'm enjoying games, uh, that game just it it had some things that I couldn't look past. Right. The the bullshit outnumbered the things you liked. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer. I like the character designs and stuff. No, me too. The lion guy was actually pretty cool. He has this, like, pounce attack. It's yeah. Great. That, th those would be some cool assist trophies right there. Yeah. For, for that reason and more, I don't think Advanced Wars, uh, is nearly as likely to, <laughs> to get this. Codename Steam is a bad game. Therefore, Advanced Wars, <laughs> not gonna be, I, I know, what, <laughs> I know what you meant. It's just kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think, like, I don't think we're going to get, like, a playable Advance Wars character. I don't think we're going to get an Advance Wars stage, though. How fucking dope would that be? It'd be so great. Oh, man. If it did get a playable character, I'd love to see, like, just Andy, like, driving around in a friggin' tank, <laughs> you know? Uh, just a shit-eating grin on his face, swinging a giant wrench around. It'd be amazing. It would be. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think that's happening. The soundtrack is so good. It's excellent. I kind of hope they just, like, slip, like, an Advance Wars remix onto a Fire Emblem stage for no reason. Oh, yes. Yeah. In any case, those are all the underdog franchises uh, that we're going to talk about in depth. However, our listeners, you guys, sent in... A bunch of franchises that have been ignored that we should definitely talk about. Mm. So let's let's open some listener mail. Okay. Pretty Boy Floyd on Reddit says, Endless Ocean is one of the most underrated game franchises of all time. One and two were gems on the Wii, and as far as I know, the series has absolutely nothing in Smash. Not even a sticker. Wow. I would kill for an Endless Ocean stage, with my suggestion being the top area of the Abyss, where it could have walk-off blast zones on the sandy ocean floor, <laughs> and a giant pit in the middle where the chasm descends. Oh, that's cool. Perhaps creatures swim by or out of the Abyss to act as platforms. Gravity could also be floating around the stage to represent the underwater nature of it. Alternate stage ideas would be Volca Castle 
or the back of the ancient mother whale <laughs> who would swim along the surface of the ocean. If anything, we at least need some of its music. Thanks, pretty boy Floyd. I'd like to say that I know next to nothing about Endless Ocean, and yet I was completely enthralled by your suggestions anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, Endless Ocean is uh, this duo of games for the Wii, where you're sort of a scuba diver, just like, just sort of right. just swimming around, just exploring the ocean. It's very, it's very open world, and it's very, like, not a video game. It's uh -huh. just kind of like, like this game Abzu. Mm -hmm. Uh, this indie game where, you know, you're, you're just exploring the ocean, but with less story than Absu, <laughs> you know, uh, right. but it still has like, you know, some, some great set pieces and some great visuals looks really good for a Wii game. And I have not had the privilege of playing these games. So I'm really glad the pretty boy Floyd brought this up because like, <laughs> like these descriptions of potential stages make me want to like find and pick up endless ocean. You no, know? agreed. Yeah. So thanks, Floyd. Great suggestion. Yeah, you keep being pretty. Never stop. <laughs> lady Pasta Heart. Ah, uh, um, <laughs> a lady after my own heart, which is also full of pasta. On Reddit says, The Mario and Pokemon spin-offs. For Mario, it's particularly noticeable with the RPGs. Super Mario RPG had a single Mii costume, Paper Mario had a single stage and a few music tracks, and lastly, Mario and Luigi only had a few music tracks. What I'd do to have Fawful as a playable character, <laughs> or Dark Bowser and Boletta as alts for Bowser. Oh, that's cute. The Pokemon spin-offs, on the other hand, have zero representation in Smash. <laughs> Nothing from any of them, not even a music track. No Mystery Dungeon, Ranger, <laughs> Rumble, Pokey Park, or anything. It's a crime we haven't got some music tracks at the very least. That's true. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you, Lady Pasta Heart. Uh, you know, she didn't mention this, but Pokemon Snap... That's what I was thinking! ...has a great fucking soundtrack. Yeah, great soundtrack. Like, a Pokemon Snap stage mm -hmm. where you're all riding the, the Zero One, right? <laughs> you're all riding, like, the, the camera uh -huh. shuttle, and, like, it's that would be a great traveling stage, actually. You know what's funny is that I was also thinking of a Pokemon Snap stage, but I was thinking of a stationary stage where the Zero One sometimes rolls by uh. and becomes a hazard, or, like, maybe the kid is in there taking pictures and like stunning people with the flash you know right that was kind of where my mind went but i'd take yeah. either of those yeah I, f I feel like pokemon snap kind of the draw of it is being able to like explore areas and see like a variety of different pokemon that makes sense so yeah so i i think like a traveling stage and each time you stop like different pokemon or stage hazards i think that'd be a cool pokemon snap stage here's the best idea hmm it's my idea, but the stage is the size of the Great Cave Offensive. <laughs> so you're just watching the kid go around the entire stage. I I can't believe you like you tried to incorporate everything and you came up with the worst idea so far. It's actually the best idea so far, and nothing that you say will change my mind. <laughs> Great. Uh anyway. Aside from the things you made Sean say, great idea, lady, <laughs> great idea, lady Pasta Heart. Uh, no, I I do agree that like that you know obviously Mario and Pokemon are not short on representation in Smash Bros by any means, but 
but it's kind of sad that like some of some of the spin-offs for Mario, some of the spin-offs for Pokemon are so good. Yeah. And, you know, they're just not really talked about or represented at all. That's true. Yeah, like man, I'd love some mystery dungeon representation. The mystery dungeon soundtracks are superb. Nice. Ben P. Ben with two N's. Okay. Emails us and says, Hello guys. Thanks for the great podcast. You make the wait until December so much more tolerable. Mm-hmm. On underdog franchises, I wanted to throw in my idea for a true underdog. Or should I say, under wolf. <laughs> That's right. I'm talking about Amaterasu from Okami. I like you, Ben P. You got my <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I think she has a ton of potential for a fighter, with her divine instruments being great for her neutral play and her celestial brush techniques as her specials. She could summon a bomb with her neutral B and a gust of wind with her side B to push it along into an enemy. And we know how much Sakurai loves wind. Uh, Use her brush skills too much and she'll run out of ink, making her a mix of zoning and rushdown. She's got a lot of curb appeal with her watercolor design. And adding a wolf character to the game means that Sakurai and his team could repurpose her model in part to bring us the Wolf Link and Minda duo that we all want. (laughs) Think about it, Sakurai. It's like you're saving yourself future work by making the Goddess of the Sun playable. There's a lot more to be said about Amy, but I'll let you guys get back to doing the predicting. Thanks for smashing into my podcast feed. (laughs) Thanks, Ben. Yeah. So first of all, I'd just like to say that I recently um, actually picked up uh, Amaterasu's game, Okami. Yes. Uh, I picked up the port of that for the Switch, and so I'm excited to play that one day and to actually understand half of the things that you said. <laughs> uh, I've played Okami. I played it back when it came out for the PS2, uh, where, you know, really funny timing, it came out about the same time as Twilight Princess, <laughs> and I actually liked Okami more than I liked Twilight Princess, mm. although Okami got, like, a little repetitive. You you do certain things too many times. Yeah. Um. But I would love a character like Amaterasu to be playable. Now, I don't think uh, that she's that likely, mainly because Capcom has so many other iconic Nintendo-like mm-hmm. related characters lined up. Like, we are personally predicting the Monster Hunter, and I still think that's the most likely Capcom edition. Sure. And if they don't show up... I feel like even Phoenix Wright might be, might be like slightly more likely than Amaterasu, <laughs> especially because like Amaterasu isn't even showing up to like Capcom's own crossover games, right? You know, like she uh, she sat out Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, uh, much to my chagrin, much to my <laughs> my sad sad sadness. Uh, <laughs> but I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would love that to happen. I think she'd be a great fit for Smash, but alas. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong, and I think that's a great suggestion. Thank you, Ben. Yes. Coxow on Reddit says, I think it's finally time for Nintendo's greatest musical game franchise to have some big recognition in Smash Bros. Wii Music. The stage would be the stage with the truck from Wii Music, and a glorious Wii Music band will perform on the stage some of the greatest video game tunes, such as Wii Music's theme, of course, (laughs) the Super Mario Bros. main theme, Legend of Zelda's overworld theme, Mute City from F-Zero, 
Lost in Thoughts All Alone from Fire Emblem Fates, Guile's theme from Street Fighter, Splash Wave from OutRun, and of course, Snake Eater. Jokes or not aside, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hear your next podcast. It's pretty fun when you go through more obscure franchises like the Retro Revivals episode. <laughs> Thank you, Coxow. Yes. Um, you're, you're kidding, but, <laughs> but I think this kind of idea is just stupid enough that Sakurai would actually do it. Yeah, this is definitely not out of the realm of Smash possibility. Yeah, no, like, a Wii Music stage that just, like, has a band, like, in the background, mm-hmm. almost, like, narrating the fight musically. Ah, uh, that'd be really great. Uh, yep, that's, I think that's absolutely in the realm of potential, and would be hilarious. I'd love it. I love that. I love your thing. Thanks, Coxow. Yes. Lastly, an email that's not quite related to this episode, but is related to us and things we've said on the podcast, Uh, an email from Ed. Ed says, Hi, I've been listening since E3 and I love it so far. I haven't gone back and listened to all the previous episodes yet, but I've heard all the ones covering third parties. I noticed that the no third party franchise will get more than one character prediction was brought up a lot, and I want to talk about it. Obviously, Richter deconfirmed that, and I'm glad, because it felt like a super arbitrary rule. Hmm. That said, I do think that no third-party franchise will get two original characters. The reason for this is simply because the characters from third parties represent, quote-unquote, their home series so well gameplay-wise that any newcomers would be redundant. Hmm. I think this especially applies to series like Mega Man and Street Fighter. Of all the third-party franchises, I think Final Fantasy is the only one that could potentially get more non-Echo Fighter newcomers. Okay. You mentioned a lot that a Shadow Echo Fighter is not a popular pick among both Shadow fans and detractors. From my experience, this actually isn't that common. There doesn't seem to be too many detractors, and most are excited about the idea. There are plenty of Shadow fans who would hate the idea of him as anything but an original character, Mm. but most of them are fine with him as an Echo Fighter. Personally speaking, I would prefer him as an Echo. I like the character, but he's not very appealing as a newcomer. Newcomers seem to be very limited this time around, so I would dislike the idea of Shadow taking one of those slots when he works fine as a clone. Okay. It's also worth pointing out that Crom's Up B shows the liberties that can be taken with Echo Fighters. Mm. I think even the most diehard Shadow fans will be satisfied with Shadow as an Echo if he has Mewtwo's Up B to simulate Chaos Control. <laughs> it also wouldn't be too out of place with his moveset, as the ability to angle his recovery in any direction is a good trade-off for the decrease of vertical distance. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Now, to get to my Heihachi theory... I've disagreed with a lot of Daniel's predictions so far, <laughs> and I'm about to continue to do that and validate Sean while I'm at it. Woo! <laughs> yes! Ed! This is all based on speculation, so I could be totally wrong. Nonetheless, I'm predicting that Heihachi will not be a fighter. The reason for this relies on what we know of Smash 4's development and reuse inclusion. Hmm. As you're aware, Heihachi was considered for Smash 4 before being dropped because of difficulties implementing his moveset into Smash. If I recall correctly, this was mentioned after Ryu was revealed to Smash 4 DLC. Hmm. This is the most speculative part of my theory, but I think the concept for Heihachi was the same as Ryu's. Uh That is, a fighting game character who can do their special moves by inputting the original commands. 
Hmm. With a character from a 3D fighting game, this would probably be more difficult to implement. Okay. I imagine that this concept was revisited when Smash 4 DLC rolled along, hmm. as it was much easier to implement with a 2D fighting game character. While Ryu and Heihachi would obviously play very differently, I think Ryu fills Heihachi's niche from the development team's eyes. This is also why I don't think there's going to be another Street Fighter original newcomer. I'm totally predicting them as assist trophies, though. <laughs> this turned out way longer than I realized. Sorry about that. Love the podcast, and I hope I hear what y'all think of my hot takes. Ed. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, thanks, Ed. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, gen- like, genuinely, like, yes. yeah, thank thank you for your email. Uh, I really love reading really in-depth takes like this, even even if they disagree with whatever i'm spewing out of this <laughs> hole in my head <laughs> i uh i'd like to say thank you for your your well thought out uh treatise on why heihachi will not be appearing <clears throat> in smash ultimate anyway ed i um to go more in depth about your points mm-hmm. um i think i think they're very good ones specifically about shadow right yeah now that like echo fighters kind of have some flexibility yeah some flexibility some elbow room on on what they can be i think shadow being a sonic echo with a teleport instead of a spring makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. i'm still like just like shy of predicting him okay but i imagine that sean is even more confident about his decision to predict shadow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh that's why i'm the ultimate life form (laughs) There's no time for games. Farewell. And the Heihachi... Chaos Control! <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. And the Heihachi point is really interesting. I personally think that there's kind of ways to incorporate Heihachi as a moveset uh, without overlapping Ryu, like, even a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of wondering myself if Heihachi's as likely, especially since Evo's come and gone. Right. I'm keeping him in my predictions because I still think he's got a lot of potential to sort of show up as a DLC character, even if he doesn't make the base roster. Okay. And it's also interesting that of the companies that have contributed third-party characters Mm -hmm. to Smash, in Ultimate so far, in Ultimate so far, we've seen more Capcom already because of Rathalos and... Right. And that stuff. And we've seen more Sega... Because, like, you know, Bayonetta's getting an assist trophy and all that. But we have not seen more Namco Bandai people developing this video game yet. (laughs) So I'm wondering if they're still holding on to a little Heihachi-shaped surprise for us. Mm, What a stupid shape that is. (laughs) Way stupider than triangles. (laughs) And that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is all of our email and uh and listener mail obviously we got a lot more than this so much more and we loved reading all of it yes. obviously we only have so much room for this per episode but please keep sending your stuff in we love reading it we love uh we love checking it out and even if you don't email us about like the episode itself if you want to email us just like weird personal questions or whatever we love reading those too the weirder the better uh but now it's time sort of go over all our predictions so far right so we've gotten some predictions right 
We predicted that every character from Smash 4 would come back. Mm-hmm. We predicted that the Ice Climbers would return. Mm-hmm. We predicted that Wolf would return. Mm-hmm. And we predicted that Ridley would be a brand new playable character. Right. Uh, here's some things we haven't gotten right so far. We did not predict that every single Smash character would return. Like Pichu, Pokemon Trainer, Young Link, Solid Snake. We did not call these at all. Right. Uh, we predicted that Skapon from Joy Mech Fight would be a playable character. Skapon is an assist trophy. We predicted that Bomberman would be a playable character. Bomberman is an assist trophy. Uh, Sean predicted that Midna would be a playable character in this one. Midna is an assist trophy. Which just makes me as sad as if I were transformed into an imp and then thrown out of my realm by Ganon. That's how sad it makes me. We We predicted that Simon Belmont would not be in the game. Simon Belmont is a playable character. We didn't even talk about Richter Belmont, who is in the game as Simon's Echo Fighter. (laughs) Uh, We did not predict that Krom would be playable. Krom is an Echo Fighter. We did not predict... Uh, that Dark Samus would be playable. We got really close, but we didn't do it, and now Dark Samus is playable. And we predicted that King K. Rule would not be a playable character in the game, and here he is. He sure is. Kingin', Kayin', and Rulin' all over the place. So, here's some unresolved predictions. First, some predictions that both Sean and I are making together. Uh, first, Captain Toad is a playable character. Mm-hmm. Um, I might want to take a bit of a harder look at some of these, uh, now that we've had a lot of characters revealed. Sure. And think about whether or not we still think they're likely. Captain so, Toad in particular, every time he doesn't get announced, I have less faith that yeah, he's going to be in the yeah, game. Yeah, same, right? Like, uh, like, yeah, every time he doesn't get announced, it's like, does, is Captain Toad, like, does he really fit, like, this whole ultimate thing, you know? Right. Like, a game that's, you know, that debuted in like 2015 and like and even though it got a switch port is like maybe he's maybe he's not hot enough maybe mm-hmm. maybe like sakurai's goal of like getting like all the big stuff in maybe cats and toad isn't big enough right however it it still feels like captain toad is a great representation of nintendo history because toad is now probably the most important Mario character that isn't playable <laughs> in Smash Bros. Right, because so many Mario characters are playable. Yeah. And, you know, like, Toad especially is a character that's been playable in Mario games since the 80s, right? Since, right, since sure. Super Mario Bros. 2. Uh, so to sort of represent all that Toad history, like, in Captain Toad, still feels like it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, but on the other hand, like... It feels like there's going to be some pretty big reveals mm-hmm. now. Like, like the characters that they haven't told us about yet are probably, like, really cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And is is Captain Toad, like, a big enough deal? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. What, what do you think? Do you still think that Captain Toad's going to be in the game? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that I do, but... My general rule with predictions is that I, I'm always hesitant to unpredict something because yeah. then I'll feel like a real heel if I turn out to have been right all along. Yeah, I I feel the exact same way. Yeah. I guess let's keep Captain Toad on that prediction cool. train, but I'm I'm more unsure by the day. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, we predicted Rex with Pira and Mithra. Right. Now this I'm still a little more confident about. I think there's still plenty of room for him to be kind of an exciting reveal 
the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 DLC hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, that, that prequel story, uh, Torna, the Golden Country, right? Right. Uh, like, it'd be probably really fitting to sort of reveal Rex as a playable character right around when they release that DLC. Sure. So uh, I still have, I still have confidence that he could and should be announced as a playable character. Okay. There's still that slight, that slight, like, wondering if maybe, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a thing too late right, for Smash right. Ultimate. But even then, I think DLC is pretty likely for Rex. Okay. I think if Captain Toad isn't in the base game, Captain Toad is not going to be DLC. Yeah. But Rex, I think, has has a strong chance either way. Uh, Monster Hunter, I feel, is a lock at this point. Yeah. I, I feel like that Rathalos was a tease. Okay. Um, We predicted Sora uh, from Kingdom Hearts. I'm still actually really confident about Sora. All right. Because, like... That that's gonna be a whammy of a reveal when it happens. That is absolutely <laughs> a reveal you save for right before what the game comes out. Sure. Uh and Rabid from the Rabbids. Right. As a playable character. We predicted that together. I'm a little less sure than I was when I made the prediction. Mm-hmm. Back back at the time I thought that was a shoe-in. That was one of the most obvious choices anyone could make. Sure. Um now it's like, well, we've already got so many characters that are sort of like Sakurai acquiescing to the West, you know, mm-hmm. sort of him going, yeah, we don't really care about this, but you guys clearly do. So <laughs> here, have this, have King K. Rule, have right. Ridley, right? And I still think Rabbit fits as uh, a very European specific pick, okay. you know, uh, like very like France specifically loves the Rabbids. Sure. And it'd be cool to see a third party character from a Western company. And I think Nintendo would agree with that. Okay. I think Sakurai would agree with that. So I still think the Rabbids are in. Uh, although it would be funny if it was Rayman instead. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably prefer Rayman to the Rabbids. Me but, too. But I feel like it's still the Rabbids. Okay. How about you? Yeah, I'm sticking with it. Same rule. Cool. And we have a new shared prediction. Isaac from Golden Sun is a playable yeah. character. So that's that's what we got. Then we've made some independent predictions. I have predicted, independently of Sean, that Starman from Pro Wrestling will be a playable character. Right. I've been unsure about this for a while, and I think I'm just going to knock him off at this point. Okay. Um, I think now that Isaac will be kind of the retro representative, and it'll be his rendition from the first Golden Sun game, and it'll kind of just ignore the fact that Dark Dawn was a thing. <laughs> that's That's what I'm thinking. That makes sense. I'm also predicting, independently of Sean... Hey, Hachi from the Tekken franchise. And uh, I'm really digging my heels in there, as we've witnessed. Yes. And finally, I'm independently predicting Rockruff from Pokemon Generation 7. And Rockruff will evolve into Lycan Rock as part of his moveset. Right. Your ballsiest prediction. Yeah, so ballsy. (laughs) So ballsy. Like, 3% chance of happening. But when I predicted Duck Hunt Dog for Smash 4... That was like a 5% chance, and it happened, so... There you go. Just always bet on dogs. That's that's the lesson. Conversely, I have four independent predictions. Oh, oh, oh you're saying these? Well, well, why not? They're mine. Well, yeah, but like I've been saying them this whole time. Can May I say my predictions? Yeah, you can say your predictions, sure. <laughs> Conversely, I have four independent predictions. First of all, I've predicted that Mock Rider from Mock Rider will be a retro representative. Right. I have predicted Marks from Kirby Superstar. I have predicted that a Gen 8 starter will be in the game. Uh, probably is DLC. 
And uh, I have also predicted that Shadow the Hedgehog will chaos control his way into Smash Ultimate. How are you feeling about all those? Great. Still, still like, 100% dug in on all four of them? Uh, probably Mock Rider, least of all, because okay. I really like your theory that Isaac is going to be the retro rep. Cool. But I still think that Mock Rider would be a really cool character. Oh, I so agree. I hope that he makes it in. I hope so, too. Yeah, wow. You, uh, you, you definitely sort of, like, uh, sort of, like, strode ahead with some unique predictions. Yeah, well, uh, what can I say? I like Mock Rider. I have, uh, squeezed the throttle and blasted off into the land of cool predictions oh boy i didn't even have to say oh boy you said it for me (laughs) yeah i i recognized at that point just how how i was doing (laughs) (laughs) if you want to find out where else you can listen or watch me and sean Mm -hmm. i have a podcast besides this one called play this with an exclamation point it's kind of a book club for video games my co-host Max Lando is on hiatus while he while he gets used to being a dad. Yes. Uh, so Sean is actually going to be my temporary co-host for at least a couple episodes. I'm excited. Yeah, and that'll be happening very soon. The Marvel Ultimate Alliance episode of Play This, which is Max's last episode and sort of uh, Sean's first episode because he guests on it, mm-hmm. will be up. Any day now, <laughs> uh, maybe within a day or two of this episode going up. So keep an eye out. Uh, f- just search for Play This on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or really any podcast service that you use, and it'll probably pop up, and we have a lot of in-depth discussions about video games. It's really cool. Yeah. You can also find us both on this audio drama slash actual play podcast (laughs) called Liberty Vigilance. The last episode went up this week, and Sean and I both play characters on it alongside Ashley Birch, uh, who is a very famous voice actress. Yeah, which is incredible to me that I've been billed on something, and so has Ashley Birch. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Really surreal. Uh, yeah, like the the whole thing is very well produced mm-hmm. and a very interesting project. I say audio drama slash actual play because basically like it was a tabletop campaign that Sean and I played it and, and made voices for our characters in. And then the guy who ran it took it and produced the hell out of it yeah. with with new voice acting and music and narration to the point where now it's a... Uh, audio drama that Sean and I inadvertently voice act in. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if that sounds cool and post-apocalyptic sci-fi is your thing, uh, maybe check that out. Yeah. Now, if you're interested in finding me, you can find me on YouTube if you search for R.E. Chief, and you can find me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash R.E. Chief. Be sure to check them both out. You'll laugh. You'll cry, and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll also subscribe. I <laughs> uh, got lots of neat content on there, memes, Let's Plays, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, they're they're good stuff. They're they're good memes. Glad you Brent. agree. <laughs> Next time on A Smashing Theory, Metroid. We are going to talk the Metroid franchise. We've been saving this one for a rainy day, and... I guess it's raining now. There's a storm a coming. <laughs> a storm of Metroids. 
Well, that was that was the worst metric. <laughs> I can't go that high. They go, they go very high. Oh, that was that was not bad. Don't. <laughs> 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 Don't quit your day job. And I say that because if you decide to voice Metroid full time, you will give yourself an aneurysm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So anyway, uh, we might as well do the Metroid episode at this point because we keep thinking that Sakurai is going to wait to tell us Metroid stuff (laughs) until we know more about Metroid Prime 4. And then he keeps announcing Metroid stuff like Ridley and Dark Samus. But I still think there's plenty of Metroid stuff to talk about and to speculate on, so I still think it'll be a fun episode. If you guys have any Metroid-related predictions, you can tweet at us, at a smashing theory, or email us at asmashingtheory at gmail.com and tell us what you think. Also, you can just ask us whatever you want, personal questions, uh unrelated smash stuff that's not specifically metroid related but still smash related really anything you want to talk about we want to talk about so yeah so send us your stuff before you ask my favorite pizza is actually just plain cheese it is it's it's kind of it's kind of boring thanks uh, thanks David. but you can't go wrong with plain cheese <laughs> plain vanilla take a nap yeah, cheese. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Also, speaking of our Twitter, you might want to follow us because sometimes we do giveaways and yes. stuff. Uh, just last episode, we gave away free copies of Rivals of Ether, and eight lucky people got to play that game for free. Yeah, and it will cost them less to get Shovel Knight when he comes out in September. So I'm very happy for them. And thanks to everyone that participated in that. Yes. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. It's a good time. It is. We're always tweeting. Every day we're tweeting. <laughs> Not every day. No. Anyway, thanks for bearing with the weird energy of this episode. <laughs> and I hope, as always, that you have a smashing time. Even the smashing time guy is sleepy. Did he eat a cheese pizza? <laughs> I hope that everyone except Daniel has a smashing time. Goodbye, everybody. Good night.